From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. Christmas could come early for school administrators and other education groups that have been prodding Congress to overhaul the controversial No Child Left Behind law. But there still could be landmines hidden in the details over issues like test scores and other accountability measures. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by education reporter Sarah Chacko. So this 2002 law created an explosion of standardized tests, requirements that were deemed unworkable and had to be scrapped, and there was just a lot of general widespread dissatisfaction. It expired in 2007, but it never really went away, did it? No, and uh, it's not ultimately until it got so bad that doing almost anything has become better than doing nothing. And lawmakers have been debating ways to fix the law even before it expired in 2007. The House passed a bill in 2013, but there was no time for the Senate to complete its work and then talk of an open amendment process, and then the former Senate education chairman retired. And besides, the Obama administration was issuing waivers from the law, so states were supposed to be getting some relief from the worst parts of it, while the Education Department also got to implement some of the changes it wanted to see. Now, elementary and secondary education is an issue that tends to kick off a huge partisan philosophical differences. Uh, Why are so many important members of Congress willing to cut deals now? Well, it seems to have reached a tipping point. Everyone, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, educators, governors, the education department, everyone agrees the current law isn't working. Washington, for example, lost its waivers for failing to link test scores with teacher evaluations, and now nearly every school has been labeled failing. So across the board, you hear people describe the current law as overly prescriptive, unattainable, and the thing you will hear over and over again as leaders try to build support for the uh, conference agreement that was negotiated by both the House and Senate is it's either this or what we have now. What's it going to be? On the political right, the conservative Heritage Action Group has signaled it may oppose the final package over issues like schools' ability to opt out of tests and because it doesn't go far enough on program cuts. How much of a game changer could that be, or are the lawmakers who listen to them not going to vote for the package anyway? Right. And so the general sense is that we may see some opposition from staunch conservatives that want to see absolutely everything devolve to the state level, but there is enough in there to make it palatable to most. Conservatives didn't get Title I portability, which is when the funding can follow the student to public or private schools, but they got a pilot program. So several school districts can consolidate federal, state, and local funding and divvy it up per pupil. And although it doesn't include the language to allow states to completely opt out of federal testing. It allows states to develop their own opt-out policies so long as they ensure at least 95% of all students participate in testing. So there was some give and take, but a big win, the reduced federal role and increased state and local control is expected to carry the measure through. On the other side of the debate, teachers unions are happy about limits on testing and the elimination of the federal accountability system, which was called adequate yearly progress. Is there enough in there for other groups to create some kind of critical mass? Well, that's the idea. We do expect to see a push by accountability hawks who want more teeth in the state systems to ensure states take meaningful action when they miss goals. But again, that's not expected to tank the entire measure. 
And as it stands now, it'll be up to the states to take action about the lowest performing schools? Right. States would have to take action in the lowest performing 5% of schools, high schools that graduate less than 67% of students, and schools in which any subgroup is consistently underperforming. State and local school districts would have to create evidence-based plans for action at those schools, and the Education Department would have some authority over the statewide accountability systems and ranges on, like, the... on the weight that states give to certain accountability measures, but the ground level oversight is largely left in the hands of the states. So what could the states do to crack down on problem schools? Well, that remains to be seen. The law is swinging from one where the steps for intervention in poorly performing schools and districts was clearly outlined to one where that responsibility has been handed down to each state. We'll see what that brings for students. Education reporter Sarah Chacko on Congress taking another crack at the No Child Left Behind law. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud.